Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that lies at the door of our hope, that the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Lord, your fire from heaven that is holy, send it to us. We lift up our cries of humility to you. Send us, send us your fire. O stoop down to our cries and what you have promised we ask you to fulfill for us. Send us, send us your fire. The God of Elijah, hear my supplication. Send us, send us your fire. Oh, prepare us now for service to you. Your rain, your fire, send us now. Oh, let it give birth to our heart and create in us all things new. All that is sinful, may it burn out. Send us, send us your fire. The book of the Apostle Paul, Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 22 through 24. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God into righteousness and holiness of truth. The right to set aside the former way of life in order to clothe our bodies into a new way of life. This is the main topic that is associated with this place of scripture that we have read. And for, for, for the fulfillment of this commandment written by the book of Apostle Paul and given to us of the sermons of, from Apostle Arcadi, here we have three commanding and foundational actions. This is to set aside, renew, and clothe. From the fulfillment of these three faithful, commanding, and foundational requirements will depend whether or not we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a seed that is yielded as the deposit of our justification in the salvation gifted to us, which, in these three actions, is necessary to place into circulation in the death of the Lord Jesus in order to gain it as a belonging in the format of the fruit of righteousness, Otherwise, we will lose justification given to us in the format of a deposit forever. And with regard to this, we stop to study the 17th Psalm of David that uncovers the contents of a just prayer in the eight names of God Most High. And knowledge and proclamation of the powers contained in the heart of David in these eight names of God had allowed David to love God and to call on the Lord in order to be saved and delivered from his enemies. And for God, knowledge and proclamation of the truths that uncover the powers of his name in the heart of David give God the basis to use these capabilities in battle against the enemies of David. And so, Psalms 18, verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress. 
and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And so, let us proclaim and affirm these eight names of the Lord in the church of God altogether. And so, Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are the rock in whom I will trust. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. Let the Lord hear these words and let him make them firm in our hearts and make, may he make us firm and immovable in hope. This is one of the bless, blessings that was affirmed for us by Pastor Arakati. And so we have stopped to study the first name. Pastor is already much further along. This is the name, Lord, you are my strength. The strength of the name of the Most High in Scripture, the strength of the Most High, is both one of the names of God and one of the unchanging characteristics of God. In Hebrew, the word strength, referring to God and His Word, contains such unearthly virtues, such as, and so the strength of the name of God, Most High, is a constructive and contrite force of the words of the Most High. It is the power might and potential in the word of the Most High. It is the possibility of the Most High and the capability of the Most High. It is the truth of the Most High and the holiness of the Most High. It is the wealth of the Most High and abundance of the Most High. It is the steadfastness and loyalty of the Most High to His word. It is the unbrokenness of the Most High and the beauty of the Most High. And it is the immutability of the Most High in form, in quality, and condition. Here are the rich definitions of what it means, Lord, you are my strength. And before us were presented four questions. The first one, what characteristics of Scripture endow the strength of the name of God Most High? Second, what purpose in our relationship with God are the powers contained in the strength of the name of God Most High intended to fulfill? Third, what conditions are necessary to fulfill to give God the basis to reveal the potential of His strength and battle with our enemies in the face of the old man with his works, and Saul who searches to destroy us. And fourth, by which signs should we test ourselves that in our heart abides the powers of the strength of God Most High? In a certain format, on Tuesday we have already studied the essence of the first three questions, and therefore we will turn right away to study the fourth question that sounds like this. By which signs should we test ourselves that the powers of the strength of God Most High abide in our heart? So today we are going to have a small test, the test of our heart. And so the first sign, the first sign by which we should test ourselves for the presence of the strength of the name of God Most High in our heart is by our reaction to our enemies that live in our body when they, in great multitude, war against us. And so, the reaction to our enemies when they, in all of their fullness in our body, will go and fight with our spirit and our renewed thinking. What kind of reaction are we going to have? And going through this test, we are going to be able to define 
Is the Lord our strength or not? Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 1-30, through 30, I will read selectively. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon, and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea from Syria, and they are on Hazazon Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And when they came out, Jehoshaphat came and stood and said, Listen to me, you. Believe in the Lord your God, and be firm. Believe his prophets, and you will be successful. And the fear of the Lord came about on all kingdoms when they heard that God himself went against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest all around. The pastor read this whole chapter, but I read selectively so that we, so that I do not burden you with my reading. And so, the Bible is a very economical and rational book. However, this amazing event takes up four chapters. This is quite a lot of space for such an economical book, which indicates a special significance to which we should turn our attention. In this event, Jehoshaphat represents the image of the rational sphere of our soul. So, King Jehoshaphat, against whom went to war represents the rational capabilities of our soul that are made dependent on our new man in the face of the prophets of the Most High through whom Jehoshaphat received an answer from God. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. To hold strong those whose heart is loyal to him. From this it follows that the heart of a person that is not completely devoted or loyal to the Lord cannot be supported by God in a battle with the enemies of man, and therefore it cannot have in itself the strength of the name of God Most High. So who has the name of God Most High? Only a person who has a heart that is loyal and devoted to the Lord, fully devoted, completely devoted. The whole heart is fully devoted to God. Second Chronicles chapter 17, verses 3-6 through six. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat. And he had riches and honor and abundance, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. So take a look here. Despite the fact that here we have a high dedication and our soul, our substance, the substance of our soul, as soon as the Lord blesses it, it begins to magnify itself. And his heart begins to be exalted on the path of the Lord. However, we should look at the initial phrase. It happened after this that the people of Moab, with the people of Ammon, and others with them, besides the Ammonites, came to battle against Jehoshaphat, which points to certain actions of Jehoshaphat 
that gave his enemies the basis or reason to go against him in war, despite the fact that the Lord established the kingdom in the hands of Jehoshaphat. What is this reason? That God affirmed his kingdom, and then all of a sudden, all the enemies began to rise up against him. A question arises, after what actions of Jehoshaphat did his enemies unite in great multitude and go against him? Considering that the events that took place with Jehoshaphat, we consider the events taking place in the body of a man whom God established to be king within the limits of his body. So, this is for kings and priests. This word is addressed. And when a person is affirmed by God as a king within his body, he becomes less demanding towards relationships with the wicked and the lawless which gives rise to his enemies in great number to go against him in war. And if a man does not repent at this time and does not seek God, then he, like Saul, will lose the kingdom over his body. When God anoints us as kings, the substance of our soul, he anoints as a king, and it becomes unknown to us, but here is what is written, it becomes slightly tolerant towards the wicked and the lawless. Second Chronicles chapter 19, verses 2 through 3. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore the wrath of the Lord is upon you. He had expressed judgment over which the Ammonites came out against Israel to destroy it. Why? He says, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, a godly king, why shall you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? And then he says, therefore, therefore, nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden Im images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. So he left for Jehoshaphat the door for repentance for him to seek it, but he called the judgment of God upon him, after which the multitude of enemies came to Israel. In this case, it was about Ahab, the wicked king of Israel, with whom Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, leveled against. The image of the ungodly king is of Israel, Ahab in our body, is reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works. To mix with the Israel king Ahab means to mix carnal thinking with spiritual thinking. Evidence that God established the kingdom of Jehoshaphat in his hand under which we first consider power over our body. This is the circumstance in which Jehoshaphat in a distressing time for him sought the Lord. So when we seek the Lord in the time that is difficult to us, this means that the Lord has affirmed us as kings and priests. Because that which had occurred with him is going to occur with us. The Lord anoints our soul, and each Christian is met with this problem. The pastor pays our attention to how he will react when the enemies come up against him. He repented and began to seek the Lord. That's it. When our king, when our soul begins to repent and it begins to seek the Lord, this means that the Lord has affirmed this king. This is a blessed king, the king of Judah. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to see the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord, and from all the cities of Judah they came to seek the Lord. And so to seek the Lord means to be sanctified, which allowed Jehoshaphat to restore the right relationship with God 
after which God, through the prophet Jehaziel, turned his mercy on him and again surrounded him with the powers of his strength. Having sought the Lord, we used the staff of our lips against all the enemies of our body that are found under the control of reigning sin in the face of our old man with his works, and with all of the synagogues of Satan reigning in the religious world which will give us peace from all sides. And the fear of God was in all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. Then the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for as God gave him rest all around. However, however, everything returns to its place. In the last events that took place with King Jehoshaphat, when God gave him a great victory and magnified his kingdom, Jehoshaphat again reunited with Ahaziah, the other king of Israel, to build ships for departure to Tarshish, and they built ships. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verses 35 to 37. After this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, allied himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who acted very wickedly. And he allied himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish. And they made the ships in Ezion Geber. But Eleazar, the son of Dodava of Merashach, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because you have allied yourself with Ahaziah, the Lord has destroyed your works. Then the ships were wrecked, but they were not able to go to Tarshish. And Pastor here draws a conclusion for our soul, for our Jehoshaphat, who was anointed. We ought to be vigilant in order to not get carried away, not only by the abilities of our intellect, but also the discharges of our the intellect. Lawless people in ministries that have the outward appearance of godliness but have denied its power. This is this first sign. First sign, and you see it is directed specifically to our soul, our king that represents the rational capabilities of our soul. So God has saved us. And in order to have communication with us, he has communication with sovereign people. Who is a sovereign person? It's anointed person. Who is anointed person? This is the legal sovereign right or authority. It is necessary for all of our substances to be anointed and hear them Ammonites of course rejoiced yes we have anointing Saul rejoiced Jehoshaphat the soul needs to be anointed because God needs to speak to someone who is sovereign the Lord knew this and the Lord needed a person and the key is a sovereign person a sovereign person means a person who has the legal right to communicate with God independent of man it's a person who can make a specific decision when god anointed god never communicates with unlawful people why did he anoint us so that our soul and our spirit and we our body can come to him anointed he calls us while we are in this carnal nature our enemy can rise against us in this case in our body there dwells as we know the Ammonites the Moabites they are also anointed in power but let's pay attention to those that multitude that surrounded Jehoshaphat how he reacted 
to the fact that the Lord allowed enemies to come to this land of Judah. He sought the Lord. But the key word is, it's necessary to continually be vigilant, as Pastor wrote. Why? Because the soul is such an important substance that with a problem, it turns to the Lord, God helps, and when God gives victory, it's the soul. This is a this is the good kind Jehoshaphat. But in a minute, a person begins to magnify himself. Yes, the Lord has blessed me because this and that. How did you achieve such successes? And that's it. The Lord totally falls out of the picture, and we begin looking at our own attributes, at our own dignities, and we begin to show up these virtues. Here, we must understand that to be vigilant, it is through sanctification to keep hold of our dedication until when until the power of death but here pastor that will beautifully read we will do this not until we feel spiritual this is very dangerous to feel spiritual we need to be humbled until the power of death will with a noise be cast out from our body until this happens Jehoshaphat must continually through sanctification to hold on to his dedication to be vigilant and to continually seek the Lord and to not make any kind of union with the flesh. This was the first sign that related to our renewed thinking. It is renewed, but this is still the soul. Because it is a soul, must remember that I must be vigilant until, with the noise, the power of death is cast out from my body and in its place the power of resurrection is raised. Till this point, I will be vigilant and be watchful. And so, the second sign, we will continue the test. The second sign by which we should test ourselves for the presence of the strength the name of God most high in our heart is by our ability to, in any situation of our life, proclaim before God the faith of our heart in four foundational truths. This is who God is for us in Christ Jesus. Second, who we are for God in Christ Jesus. Third, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Fourth, what we must do in order to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. This we must proclaim in all circumstances of our life. Psalms 27, 1 through 6, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. And so the strength of the name of God Most High is presented in this passage in the union of two more names. 
of God Most High that are dissolved in one another and that discover themselves in the characteristics of one another. This is, the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. In the beginning we read, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life. So, strength cannot be without the name of God, light, with salvation that flows from it. And so, again, the strength of the name of God Most High is presented in this passage in the union of two more names of God Most High that are dissolved in one another and that discover themselves in the characteristics of one another. This is, the Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. From this it follows that the presence of the strength of the name of God Most High in us is called to be tested and verified in our heart by the characteristics of the light of the Most High and salvation of the Most High. I'll remind you that we are testing for the signs. When we say, Lord, you are my strength, the Lord says, well, do you are you calling out to the light which has salvation or does your light act have a relationship to agreement the the word of god because when we hear strength the lord hears different words here pastor interestingly says that the lord sees light and salvation these two names of god thus god in christ jesus discovers himself in our heart and the dignity of the strength of his name dissolved in his names light and salvation this union of these names of God in our heart is evidence of who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. Of course, this is all under one condition that we have paid the price for the right to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Or rather, that we give God the basis to discover and present Himself in our heart in the virtue of the strength of His name, dissolved in the dignities of His name, light and salvation. We should pay attention to the preceding words in this prayer song in the phrase Psalm of David. Again, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Light from which comes salvation which allows God to be the strength of our life. I am reminding you again that we are testing for the signs that we have the presence of the strength of God most high in us. The cooperation of our faith with the powers contained in the virtue of the name salvation is impossible without acknowledging the name of God most high in the dignity of the power of light. The same way that cooperating with the powers contained in the strength of the name of God is impossible without acknowledging the names of the Most High contained in the dignity of His name, light and salvation. On the pages of Holy Scripture, at the creation of heaven and earth, God firstly revealed Himself in the name light. Genesis chapter 1 verses 1 through 5, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. This is the name with which God begins to re- reveal his salvation and his strength. God, everything for God is contained in, in this word, does man have light? And then we will seek salvation, and then the strength, the Lord, you are the rock of my salvation. But first, he looks at, does man have light, the word of God in him? And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called light, he called night. 
so the evening and the morning were the first day. The uniqueness of this light consisted in the fact that it was put at the head of all subsequent creation, which emanated from this light and was placed under the responsibility of this light. So all of the names, all of creation, the essence of my whole being is found in dependence on the name of God, light, the holiness of God. In Hebrew, the word light itself has different definitions designed to fulfill various purposes depending on the purpose that God is pursuing in the manifestation of His light. And so light includes the following definitions. It is life, resurrection, dawn, morning, the day of Christ. It is truth, justice, and judgment or court. This is where all things begin from. All of our salvation, it must have life, resurrection, the dawn, morning, the day of Christ, the truth, justice, and court. This is the base, basis for salvation. Only through the knowledge of God and the powers of His name and the dignity of the light, enlightening all darkness, can we come to God to inherit salvation, both in the powers of His name's Savior and in the powers of His name's strength, because... Salvation from the power of sin and death comes through the saving light of the resurrection of Christ, which is the result of the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus for our salvation. Salvation is redemption, or the price paid for the salvation of God's chosen remnant from the power of darkness or from the power of the inherited sin that causes death. The name Savior carries the meaning of redemption, or it finds its expression in the name Redeemer, which in Hebrew means the Lamb, Yahweh, Present One, Life. Therefore, to save means to resurrect, revive, leave alive, and to keep alive. John 8:12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He right away laid this light in his life as a foundation. The day of Christ, the coming of Christ, Jesus, truth, life, resurrection, he laid this and he said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It is a source of divine light that brings man from the darkness of perdition to God and determines both the essence and the purpose of the Mimandurim in the heart of a man born of the seed of the word of of truth. Here we see where salvation begins from and how a saved person achieves salvation in God through light. The purpose of Urim and Thummim in the heart of a person who is born of the seed of the word of truth. So we are born from the word. The word feeds us, grows us, and the Word of God anoints us through the proclamation. It, it anoints us to reign, and then it saves us and keeps us for the coming of the Lord Jesus. All of this is done by the light of the Word. A very interesting second component where I highlighted for myself that if I say, Lord, you are my strength, the Lord tests for the presence of light in me, from which comes salvation, and in salvation, God reveals His strength. This was the second sign. The third sign by which we should test ourselves for the presence of the strength of the name of God most high in our heart is the ability to, when the net is secretly laid for us, 
to proclaim before God our hatred toward those who regard useless idols. So, to those that regard useless idols, when they lay out these nets for us, we will proclaim the strength of God so that we can destroy them. Psalms 31 verses 1 through 9 Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, God of truth. I have hated those who regard you as idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy. For you have considered my trouble, you have known my soul in adversities, and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. The Lord, you are my strength. Here we see this a name. And this is one of the proclamations of the Lord Jesus when he was on Golgotha. This is the meaning he contained in it. I give my spirit into your hands. Into your hand I commit my spirit. Here, people uh, have different illustrations how beautiful he looks when he says I commit my spirit to you well let's look at what this actually was after the psalm uh, this David says I commit my spirit we should note what Christ meant when he had cursed the wicked this is your hand I commit my spirit pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me I trust in the Lord. Set me up in a wide place. Resurrect me, O God. This is what is contained in the phrase, In your hand I commit my spirit. Let let the wicked be cursed. Remember me when I am in hell and set me in the wide place in your resurrection. According to this passage, people who had secretly laid a net for David, they regard useless idols. And so, the ability to escape these nets that were secretly laid for us, in which we found ourselves caught up in, is evidence that the strength of the name of God Most High abides in our heart. It is worth noting that if there exists nets of devil, of those who regard useless idols, over which stand the organized powers of darkness, standing as head with our old man, then there also exists nets of those who honor the God Most High, nets which are called the Kingdom of Heaven, over which stand the organized powers of light, representing the power of the truth of the teaching of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit who unveils this truth in the heart. And before we begin to study the nets of those who regard useless idols, it will be necessary for us, at least in brief definitions, to examine the nets of those who regard God, which will help us on one hand to separate good from evil, and on the other hand to accept good and refuse the evil presented in the nets of death. And so let us take a look at what the nets of the kingdom of heaven are. Then we will look at what are the nets of those who regard useless idols. But first, let's look at the positive nets. The net or snare, when, for example, it is used to catch fish, uh, the net or snare of those that regard God most high in Hebrew sound like the falling. What these nets and snares are, the kingdom of heaven. They are the truth of the word of God anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. They are the teaching about the order of the kingdom of heaven, the heart of a person. Pay attention. All of these truths, he says, throw, cast out your nets, and they caught, and others didn't catch. 
because these nets are called the teaching about the theocratical order of the kingdom of heaven. The Lord says, those who have not been caught, they shouldn't be caught up in these snares, because these snares and these nets are cast for those who accept the authority of the kingdom of heaven, but the others were not caught up in this. This is also the fragrance of Christ that is spread by those who regard God. It is the longing and thirst for hearing the word of God. They are the lips that proclaim the faith of God that abides in the heart. So each time when we hear the word of God, a person who presents for us the fatherhood of God, we should understand that these are snares of the kingdom of heaven. This is that through which God says, I will lead her into the wilderness. How will he lead us into the wilderness? Well, who wants to go into the wilderness of sanctification? Those who are anointed by the word of God, the light. He who is the light can lead us into the wilderness through the preached word of the person who represents the fatherhood of God. And we sing this because these are snares, snares of the kingdom of heaven. Also, nets are snares of those who regard God most high in the positive sense. It is the law or the teaching of a person who is filled with the wisdom of the meme and Dodim. Proverbs 13.15 The law of the wise is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. So, the fountain of life are the snares of the kingdom of heaven that depart us away from the snares of death. Also, the nets or snares of those who regard God most high is the fear of the Lord in which they abide in and which abides in their hearts. This serves as a foundation of life that turns away from the snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14.27 Some snares take us in order to take us away from other snares. So God casts his nets and David er, and devil casts his net. Nets of God is the fear of the Lord. For Satan, this is the fear of man. What will people say to this? I walk before people. Well, we all walk before people up until a certain time. But now I must act in such a way. That's it. I won't go anymore. I'm going to show who I am. You don't need to... To walk before people means to not depend on their on their opinion. I must act orderly. To walk before people is to depend on their opinion and not to depend on the opinion of the Word of God. But we must act appropriately. This doesn't mean that we walk before people, but we don't depend on the, the opinion of people, whether it's high appraisal or a very low appraisal. We allow the Word of God to appraise us. Furthermore, the nets or snares of those who regard God Most High are the words that proclaim the faith of God that abides in our heart. Look, we ourselves catch ourselves in these nets. It turns out that not only are these nets the word of the wise man, it is this word of the wise man ends up in my heart. I begin to renew my thinking and I begin to proclaim the word. And when I proclaim the word with my heart, I catch myself in these snares of the kingdom of heaven. Proverbs thirty twenty eight. We are likened like little to little spiders. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in kings' palaces. The ability of spiders to fall from the outside into the king's palaces is that they are endowed by God with the ability to determine the elusive movements of air in the doorposts of doorways. Sensing the elusive air movement in the doorposts of the doorways leading to the king's palaces, Spiders wait with patience on the web woven by them in the doorway when the door opens. And when the door opens, the powerful force of the airflow literally brings in the spider with its web on which it clings tenaciously with its paws 
into the king's palace. What are these king's palaces where this spider ends up in? King's palace is an image of the body of Christ in the face of the church of Christ in which God dwells. Or it is an image of snares in which people who search for salvation from eternal death find themselves in. The image of doors that lead to the king's palaces is an image of apostles and prophets through whose words we inherit the promise of the kingdom of heaven, whose words are also the net or snare of the kingdom of God. And the spider web is an image of the faith of God in the heart of a person, which he proclaims with his lips, considering himself dead to sin, alive to God, calling the inexistent as existent. The faith of God occurs in the heart of a person thanks to spiritual food which he feeds from, when which he accepts the preached word of the messengers of God regarding the kingdom of heaven. So the spider eats in this food, then for him is the spider web that allows him to end up in the king's palaces. And the movement of the air near the door of the king's palaces is the image of the movement of the wind of the Holy Spirit that blows in the doors of the kingdom of heaven that represent the revelations of the Holy Spirit which we receive through the preached word of the messengers of God. However, not all spiders will um, be able to weave their spider webs near the doors of the king's palaces. Many spiders, in the image of those who regard useless idols, prefer to weave their spider webs by proclaiming the faith in their useless idols and they wait for the winds of seduction so that when the door opens they can inherit perishable riches that are the snares of devon, the devil and are called eternal death. And so let us take a look more specifically with what criteria does scripture define the net which those who regard useless idols secretly put for us. So let us take a look at these uh, scary spiders who weave with their nets. And so the nets of those who regard useless idols in Hebrew means a trap, a snare, a loop, seduction, forgery, pseudo, uh, pseudo-piety, false prophecy, flattering and deceitful words, slander, crafty suspicions. This is a lie clothed in the garments of truth. It is food filled up, food filling up the hunger and thirst of the soul, and this is perishable wealth. And so, a net for those who regard useless idols, if we look at the specific definitions closely, it is being seduced by riches that is seen as a, as a destruction of the heart. Proverbs 18.12, the rich man's wealth is his strong city and like a high wall in his own esteem. Material prosperity and success is the made idol and the main deity for those who regard useless idols. And namely, in relation to this deity, it is necessary to determine which master a person serves in which snares he finds himself in. Luke 16.13 No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Furthermore, Annette, for those who regard useless idols, is their table in the subject of their vain thinking, and the confession of this thinking which is called to darken their eyes 
and bow down their backs. That which they say, proclaiming the presence of darkness in their heart, this is the snare that then as a spider web fully covers them and prepares them for eternal perdition. Romans 11, chapter 11, verses 2 through 10. Or do you not know that the scripture says of Elijah how he pleads with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life? But what does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even so, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But if it is of works, it is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, to this very day. And David says, Let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. The devil's net is also served by the worshippers of useless idols in terms of their character given to them from the vain life of their fathers. The character of those who regard useless idols manifests itself in their light in following their own desires and their own will, and a disdainful attitude towards their surroundings, which speaks of their selfishness of character and their care only about themselves. Therefore, the net of devil in Hebrew determines the character of a person. The net of a devil is his masterful, complacent, presumptuous, wayward, self-confident, audacious, and obstinate. These are all characteristics of the nets, someone with the, uh, in the net of devil. This is someone who himself has caught himself up in the web he has woven. Furthermore, a net for those who regard useless idols for us are inhabitants of the land of Canaan and the idols which they serve. The image of the Canaanites living in our body which are a net for us, in which we should drive away from our face. These are our character traits inherited by us from the vain life of our fathers and carnal people we liked. They also are included here, tied to our character. There are character traits inherited by us from the vain life of our fathers and carnal people that we liked. Very interesting. It turns out that we ought to lose the character traits inherited by us from the vain life of our fathers, which we cherished, but this is a vain life. And we lose carnal people who we once liked before, these carnal people that we liked, and we must say goodbye to them so that we do not fall into the snares of the devil. The traits of our character determine the nature of our longing and our thirst. At the same time, our longing and thirst determine our deity and the object of our worship or the subject of our worship. Our, the subject of our longing and our thirst. And it will determine the subject of our worship, our deity which we worship. That which we surround, that which we hunger and thirst for, that in fact is our deity. 
The snare of those who regard useless idols, we shall continue, is their firstborn, who is their own, who are their own thoughts. Job 18 verses 5 to 13. The light of the wicked indeed goes out, and the flame of his fire does not shine. The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp beside him is put out. The steps of his strength are shortened, and his own counsel casts him down. For he is cast into a net by his own feet, and he walks into a snare. The net takes him by the heel, and a snare lays hold of him. A noose is hidden for him on the ground, and a trap for him in the road. Terrors frighten him on every side, and drive him to his feet. His strength is starved, and destruction is ready at his side. It devours patches of his skin, the firstborn of death devours his limbs. Interesting illustration for us. Destruction is ready at his side. It devours patches of his skin. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. Here we see an illustration of the anatomy of the snares of the devil. How devil does this? When he begins to scare us with different kinds of things and when saints begin to look to and fro and saying, well, let pastor say what is meant for the spirit, but let me, let me uh, hear other things from him. Devil says, wonderful. Then he sets these traps, sets these snares, gives him some kind of news, and a person jumps to the left and he's found in this trap. And this is very dangerous. Each time a man of God says something in the church, it is meant for us to not be afraid and for us to not jump to the left or to the right because snares await for us there and traps. That's why it's necessary to hear that which God says in the church because this is meant to save us and to protect us from the snares and the nets of the enemy. Furthermore, a net for those who regard useless idols are thorns that grow on their path toward God. Proverbs 22, 5, thorns and snares are in the way of the perverse. He who guards his soul will be far from them. Furthermore, a net for those who regard useless idols are foolish conflicts that lead to arguments. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 23-26, we can read there that this is a, a net, a snare for those that desire to argue in these conflicts. We don't have this... Uh, habit because we keep ourselves from the snares of the wicked one. Furthermore, a net for those who regard useless idols is God Himself. God Himself allows those who regard useless idols to be to fall into their own nets. And the format of the sanctification offered by Him, Isaiah chapter eight verses thirteen through sixteen. The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. Let Him be your fear and let Him be your dread. He will be as a sanctuary and a stone of stumbling block and a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, as a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble. They shall fall and be broken, be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the law among my disciples. Say this to my disciples, the secret, that the snare is also God. For the children of God, the snare is is Satan who tries to scare them, but when 
they are wicked and lawless, God becomes a snare for them. As we see here in this case, Scripture says that many shall fall and stumble, and they will end up falling, be broken, and be snared and taken. Why? Because the Lord is going to be a sanctuary and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to them. He made all of this possible so that these nets can be taken out of the church. Devil wants to take saints away from the church when they open their ears to listen to various kinds of information. This was the third interesting uh, sign for us. The fourth sign by which we should test ourselves for the presence of the strength of the name of God most high in our heart is by our ability to rule over earthly riches or to be free from dependence on perishable riches. Because it is ruling over earthly riches that gives a person the authority to abide in the house of the Lord and proclaim his trust in the strength of the name of God Most High. Psalms 52 verses 6 through 9. The righteous shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, saying, Here is the man who did not make God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise you forever because you have done it. And in the presence of your saints, I will wait on your name, for it is good. According to this passage, to trust in the abundance of our riches and measure the level of our relationship with God with perishable silver means to be strengthened in our wickedness, which the emissaries of mammon do today calling themselves pastors, teachers, and prophets who preach about their freedom from the spirit of poverty through material success, influencing a multitude of people who are weak in faith to torture and calamity. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Whereas to trust in the strength of the name of God Most High means to be a green olive tree in the house of God and to trust in the mercy of God forever and ever and praise God for what He has done with regard to the redemption of our essence from sin and death. Governing over our earthly riches, which unleashes the authority to the right to abide in the house of God and proclaim our trust in the strength of the name of God Most High, is comprised of the fact that a person with joy fulfills his longing and thirst when he comes to the house of God and honors God by separating a tenth from his home. Here we see that rulership is through the offering of tithes and offerings. Though so a person might have many riches and he can have t and and he cannot honor tithes and offerings. Our service to God is expressed through our tithes and offerings because only in joy is separating our tithes and offerings from our house and bringing them to the house of God, which is the congregation in which we receive spiritual food that we worship in spirit and truth and demonstrate our freedom from perishable wealth. Here is how it is clearly written that the Service of tithes and offerings show my freedom from perishable wealth. How clearly this is indicated here. 
Moving on, the fifth sign by which we should test ourselves for the presence of the strength of the name of God most high in our heart is by our ability to give God the basis to show us a sign for good that those who hate us may see it and be ashamed. So, Lord, show on me a sign, your sign, so that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed. What kind of sign? Psalms chapter 86, verses 16 through 17. O oh, turn to me and have mercy on me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Let us read the following intently. The sign that will serve for us as good is the deliverance of our soul and our body from the enemies who hate us that are within our body as well as outside our body. So, those in the church. And this sign that will serve for good before the face of our enemies and shame them is the fulfillment of the promise about the adoption and redemption of our body when our decaying body and our mortal soul at the door of rapture is clothed in imperishability and immortality. Let us take a look at how this is written in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 53-57, through 57, where the Lord covers hell with shame. When? When this promise is fulfilled, all the enemies are going to be put to shame. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. And then the Lord begins to put hell to shame. You know, this is what He is saying. This is what He wants to do before hell. Before all our enemies, not just we. First and foremost, God desires this. He desires for this moment even more than us. We wait for, he waits for this moment to say the following words, O death, where is your stream? O head, where? O Hades, where is your victory? This passage, this is full uh, mockery of our enemies. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Then we return to reality. The apostle says, The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the ability to give God the basis to show us a sign for good so that those who hate us can be ashamed is comprised of proclaiming the faith of God that abides in our heart. Matthew chapter 12 verses 35 through 37. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. This is the kind of web that we weave that bring us into the king's palaces, or do we weave a web that brings us into hell? If the heart of a person is not cleansed from dead works, then whatever good words this person may speak from his heart, they will be defined as evil, because good words offered on an unclean altar will be defiled by the unclean altar. If the heart of a person is cleansed of dead works, then this heart is called good. And then this good atmosphere of the heart 
will represent the kingdom of heaven in the dignity of the faith of God that abides in this heart. In this manner, the proclamation of the faith of God abiding in our heart will give God the basis to show us His good in the strength of His name. In this regard, I would like to remind us of three main consecutive actions related to cleansing our conscience from dead works, the fulfillment of which will give God the basis to manifest His good in us and destroying death in our body and replacing it with the power of resurrection. And so here are the three components. To cleanse our conscience from dead works, it is necessary to be sanctified, which in practice means to forget our nation, the house of our Father, and our carnal life in the death of the Lord Jesus. This is where the preparation of our heart begins. And for what? For what shall we prepare this heart for? That God can reveal His sign as good to us and to put all our enemies to shame. And therefore, the Lord wants to deal with our enemies, the nation, the house of our Father, and our carnal life. Second, it is necessary, then, after we have died in the death of the Lord Jesus to all this, through instruction and faith, to bring into a heart that is cleansed from dead works and uh, the dignity of the teaching of Christ, to bring the truth in the heart. And third, it is necessary, through instruction and faith brought into our heart, to lead our feelings, which will serve as evidence that we are servants of the Lord, born from His servant, which in the face of Sarah is the mother to us all. And for this kind of person, the Lord has said that He will show and reveal His sign and to bring to shame all of His enemies when He affirms the power of resurrection in His body. This was the fifth sign. Alright, I will remind you that we are talking about the signs by which we should test ourselves if we collaborate with the name of God, strength. The sixth sign by which we should test ourselves for the presence of the strength of the name of God most high in our heart is the ability of our vision to see and comprehend the goals of God that have neither dimmed nor diminished thanks to our origin in God. Take a look at what was written in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 7. Moses was 100 and 20 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor or his strength was diminished. Two parameters, let's remember them. The eyes of Moses did not dim, and his strength did not diminish. And so the name Moses means taken from the water or built into the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the death of Christ. Now, a very fateful for us, an important passage. It is our origin, like the origin of Moses, in which we were raised from the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, that is intended to serve as proof for us that our vision to discern the ultimate goals of God, comprised of the destruction of the power of death and the raising of the power of life, cannot dim and our strength for the achievement of this goal cannot be diminished. This is what his eyes have not dimmed and his strength has not diminished means. 
up until the very end, up until the very end, he clearly saw the goals, the main goals of God for himself, for his body. And he had strength to achieve this goal in God. The strength in him did not diminish. He saw the goal, and Moses says, and my strength did not diminish. Faith and trust in the promise did not diminish. These two important key words, I can clearly see the goal. Pastor can can illustrate it for me so clearly, but I see, but this is enough. This is not enough. I need to have strength. Moses said, my eyes did not dim and the strength in me did not diminish. I have the ability in God to achieve this goal. And thanks to this property for his body, thanks to this property of seeing and to have strength to hold his promise to the end, thanks to these two properties for his body, for three days and three nights, there was a dispute between Michael the Archangel and Satan in which this dispute was decided in favor of Michael the Archangel. As it is written in Jude chapter 1 verse 9, Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not to bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. Who can Michael the archangel say this to? To the enemy. What kind of enemy? Well, death. Or who? A person whose eyes have not dimmed and whose strength has not diminished, who to the very end saw the goal clearly and held on to this. He had the strength to hold on to this promise. What is significant is that it is Moses as, as a representative of the law. Uh, let's read before this. Specifically the phrase, the Lord rebuke you, points to the victory of Michael the archangel in battle over the body of Moses, who with the law died to the law in order to build the power of life in his body. So the name uh, taken out from water, taken out in, in, from the death into resurrection. Then the phrase, let the Lord rebuke you, points to the victory of Michael the archangel. What's significant is that Moses, as a representative of the law, and Elijah, as a representative of the prophecies that reveal the essence of the law, that appeared in their glorified bodies to Christ and his three disciples, and talked with Christ about his departure. Not just Elijah that came, that was our raptured, Elijah and the spirit of Moses came. No, Moses had a body. Moses had a body. And the disciples were in shock. Moses, Moses' body, a new glorified body, is like the same as Elijah's, but the difference between them, Elijah did not go through death, he was raptured alive. And Moses, he had died. On the third day, he rose, and he was taken up to God, and they both have bodies. And only the living can teach the Lord Jesus. Therefore, two men who had two bodies came and taught. Matthew seventeen four through 7 Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. If 
with a conscious decision, we have the willingness to, with the law, die to the law, so to have this power in the name Moses, in order to live for the dead and risen, this means that our vision has not dimmed. We see the goals of God, the sworn promises, and our strength has not diminished, which indicates that our heart has the strength of the name of God Most High. And seventh, the sign by which we should test ourselves for the presence of the strength of the name of God Most High in our heart is by offering God the first fruits of our harvest, yielded in the image of our firstborn in the dignity of the name Reuben. So we ought to have the firstborn Reuben. Genesis chapter 49 verse 3, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength. We are talking about the name of God's strength, how I can collaborate with his strength. In order to collaborate, it is necessary to give birth to this Reuben. You are my strength, uh, the might and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. We should note a parallel between the components and purpose of the name Reuben, son of Jacob, and the components and purpose of the name Methuselah, the firstborn son of Enoch. These sons were the firstborn, or the firstfruit, outstanding men who in their combination represent inner body and image of a new man who came to the full measure of the stature of Christ. Genesis chapter 5, verses 21-24, Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. All the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. We know that the name Methuselah means banishing death. Well, the name Reuben means a fortress containing in itself the commanding force, the top dignity, and the supreme power. So, Methuselah, banishing death, and Reuben, strength. If the name Methuselah, the firstborn of Enoch, did not have the dignity of the strength contained in the name of Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, it would have been impossible to destroy the power of death in our body. So, since we've loved Methuselah, let's remember that Methuselah cannot be without other names of the patriarchs. And in this case, Pastor is looking at the name Strength, uh, in the name Reuben. We ought to have this quality in us. This patriarch, along with Methuselah, ought to be born in us. Methuselah, banishing death, Reuben, Strength, that contains in itself the dignity of the supreme power and the supreme might. It is the strength of the name of Reuben that opens the powers in the name of Methuselah, who destroy the power of death in our body, and therefore, considering the strength of the name of God most high in the name of Reuben, we are essentially considering the potential of the strength in the name of Methuselah. Or, talking about the strength of God, we are looking at Methuselah, who is necessary to give birth to at the door of hope. And therefore, Methuselah is invisibly always present in the name of Reuben, and Reuben equally is invisibly always present in the name of Methuselah. Despite the fact that Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, did not correspond to the dignity of his name, the dignity of this name, bearing the authority of the strength of the name of God Most High, re represented the name of Methuselah, did not suffer at all, and in no way lost its destiny, stipulated in the great and precious promises intended for the bride of the Lamb. So, pastor says that Methuselah, he kept his dignity of the name Reuben in himself. Per perhaps Patrick, pa the patriarch Reuben did not 
keep all into this, but Methuselah did keep the name Reuben in his life. How beautifully it is said here. We should not lose our vigilance. Sometimes people say, oh, what a beautiful name. I wish I would have been named it. Well, saints, you have this name in your spirit. Oh, if I were to be named with this beautiful Hebrew name, but I was given this ordinary name. Well, friends, Methuselah, and Re Methuselah took Reuben's name. We can take all these names, all these names of God that we like. We can take all of them. But there must be certain qualities that are evident. We should not lose our vigilance, not for a minute, until the... I think I've went too far ahead. Let me go back a little bit. Despite the fact that Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, did not correspond to the dignity of his name, the dignity of this name, bearing the authority of the strength of the name of God, most high represented in the name of Methuselah, did not suffer at all. We should not lose our vigilance, not for a minute, until the power of death. <laughs> I think I read that too slowly. Pastor said to not hurry too much. I have all kinds of different kinds of breaks. It's difficult for me. It's hard for me to speak slowly. But he says, don't go too fast. You see that I do not hurry. But when an elephant is going and a small, anima, a small animal, he tells a small animal to not go ahead. Okay. We should not lose our vigilance, not for a minute. Not for a minute until the power of death, giving strength to the old man, will be cast down from our body into the underworld with a sound, and in its place the power of eternal life will not be raised. As it is written in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 21 through 23, Not having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us look at this concluding phrase. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. The one who promised is God, who under any circumstances remains faithful to his word or ready and able to fulfill this word at the time set by him provided that we will hold on to this word, professing hope in this word without wavering. Because the word and the dignity of the faith of God residing in our heart, which we confess and which we hope in without wavering, is the promised word of God, which he is vigilant over. By the meaning of the word, verb confession is meant to use the staff of our lips, or the meek lips, professing the faith of God residing in our heart, and our heart residing in the faith of God. And the meaning of the verb to hold fast, referring to our confession, means the following three consecutive actions. So what does it mean to hold on? To hold on is, firstly, to master on the terms of ownership, second, to assign on the conditions of ownership, and third, to hold on on the conditions of property to master uh, to master to assign and to hold on to the condition of the property to hold on to this promise without wavering we can't without proclamation to hold on to this promise without 
uh, without this proclamation. We ought to hold on to our proclamation. Proclamation of what? The proclamation of the word of God, the dignity of the faith of God that dwells in our hearts. What a beautiful tie we see here. But the action of the word, not shy away, means to be firm and not hesitate in the face of death when we should, with the law, die to the law to live for the dead and the risen. Thus, the phrase, wash your body with pure water, prepares our body to present it as a living, holy, God-pleasing sacrifice for our reasonable service to God. We ought to consider ourselves dead to sin, alive to God, calling the inexistent as existent. On one hand, the unwavering confession of such hope expressed in the faith of God, abiding in our hearts, will be imputed to us as righteousness. And on the other hand, such a confession will give God the foundation at the time set by Him to bring the confession of faith of our heart to fulfillment. Here, we have concluded uh, the beautiful last passage, why we need to uh, unwave, unswervingly proclaim this so that it is imputed to us in righteousness and so that it, this promise could be fulfilled to us. Therefore, we will hold on to the proclamation unswervingly and we will thank God for the word that we have heard. Let us pray and may you be blessed in your prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you. We thank you for the great privilege to be found in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you that today, on the basis of your word, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we can exalt your holy name. And I thank you for the strength of your name. And we thank you, firstly, for light, for the light of life, for the light of resurrection. We thank you for the day of Christ. We thank you for your glory, for your holiness, for your word, for your commandments, for your righteousness and your justice. We thank you for your light that was shown to us. We thank you that you have placed our salvation and our might and power and strength of your name in the light of your word. We ask you to continue to grow us in the light of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given birth to us through the word. You grow us through the word. You anoint us through this word. And you keep us safe from the snares of devil. You keep us from the evil one through your word. Through your divine light, we thank you for your Son, your Son who is the true light. And therefore, having acknowledged this light in the face of the chosen remnant of God, in the face of a virtuous wife, in the face of narrow gates, 
We thank you that having been found here, we have acknowledged the greatness of your word in our spirit. We thank you, Lord, for your word, your word that you have set above all your name. And each of your names finds its place in your holy word. And we thank you that you have shown to us the revelation. You have revealed it through your anointed one. You reveal the powers that are found in the light of your word and your name strength. And we ask you, Lord, that today the strength of the Lord and his might and his power, we ask it to be magnified in our prayers, so that you can use the powers of your strength and turn against our enemies. Therefore, we, with those godly kings, want desire to seek you and want to repent. If we had at some point trusted in our own horses, our own chariots, ourselves, we repent of this, Lord, and we ask you to forgive us. Forgive us that we had trusted in our carnal powers, our carnal abilities, our own intellect. Our intellect is not a prophet. He, and we prepare our heart to accept your preached word. And we have sought you. We have turned to you, Lord. We have turned to you in fear and trembling, waiting for the redemption of our bodies waiting for deliverance from the power of death, which today is our enemy and your enemy. We wait for that moment when you will be able to fulfill this great sign. And we ask that this sign to be revealed, this promise that is revealed through our apostle, may this great sign be revealed so that all of your enemies and our enemies could be ashamed. We ask you, Lord, to puts death to shame in the name of the Lord Jesus to destroy illnesses, to destroy poverty, to destroy hell, to destroy the wicked and lawless people. Destroy them, Lord. For this, show the sign of your strength of your word. Show your sign, and you, Lord, have already shown this your sign in our spirits, having given birth to us out of the dead by the power of the resurrection of Christ. You already having given birth to our thinking, through the light of the resurrection of your word, having renewed our thinking, we ask you, Lord, to show the sign of your light and your resurrection and your eternal light, an eternal day, after which there will no longer be evening, but this will be the eternal Sabbath. Show the power of your sign in your eternal Sabbath in our bodies so that all of your enemies, all the enemies that rose not against us, but they rose up against you, Lord. Destroy all of those who rose up against you, against your authority, against you. Destroy all your enemies. And we ask you to allow us We pray over your retribution. We cry out to you for your retribution, and we ask you, Lord, for this judgment to be shown and to be concluded through that sign that we will be revealed in the bodies of saints, and then this sign will be revealed in heaven along with the saints in whose bodies this sign will find its place.
let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. We thank you for this great sign that is found at the door of our hope. You have revealed it, and this means that we have come very close, and we thank you for the light of your word and for your Holy Spirit who uncovers this mercy for us. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, show your mercy and protect us from the snares that have been laid before us by our enemies. Allow us to hear the Word of God and allow us to have an open ear and open eyes that we do not turn away from the truth of your Word. Allow us to not turn from the left or to the right. Allow us, because the snare that is set by the devil, and you said to not look to the left or the, to the right, but to lift up our eyes and look for, wait for the Lord, because the snares are set by the enemy. But we thank you that today, coming to your service, we can look to heaven and look upon the revelation of your word in order to be saved during these end times to be saved from those snares that the enemy has laid out before us. We thank you, Lord, for your word, for the your might, and for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that we are able to trust, not in our own riches, but the strength of your name. We thank you that you have allowed us to have spiritual vision today that has not dimmed. You have allowed us to see the goal, and with each day, we see it clearer and better. Lord, with each day, our eyesight is clear. And this promise is clear to us. And this means that our eyesight is not just dimmed, it becomes even clearer and better with each coming day. Allow us to keep also our strength, our ability to collaborate with your name so that that promise that you have promised to your saints, that it could be uh, taken by us and not someone else that that crown that you have given to us that we can keep it to the end we thank you Father for that word and for the Holy Spirit and for your mercy protect us Lord from our enemies we ask you that all of those enemies that have risen that risen against your church, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We turn to you, and we have sought you, and we ask you, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, to cause enmity among them, and let them destroy one another, and let those snares that they have set out for your saints, let them themselves be found in them. But to us, Lord, show your mercy in the light of your face, in your word. And we, with trembling and with great desire, await for your revelation that we are going to hear on Friday and on Sunday. We thank you, Lord, and we bow down before you, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with unblemished joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.